If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Hey, Jason, you know we love supporting brothers and sisters in the Lord, businesses that love Reformed Theology. Oh, yeah. And we have another good one for you here, Reform Stage. Mm. We love this guy. Nick is a friend of ours, and he Great just stuff. has an awesome store. He's got a big online following on Facebook, and we've been blessed by him. Reform Stage has everything from you know T-shirts and mugs to iPhone cases yep. and coasters. Heck, I'm wearing one of his T-shirts right now. Yeah, Obey you are. God, defy tyrants. He has sold so many of those T-shirts, and they're just really cool. Yeah. The shirts are comfy. You know, they fit well. They hold up in the wash, and the designs are pretty cool. And so, guys, if you're listening to us, we want to make sure that you're supporting guys like this. Go check out Reform Sage at reformsage.com. Jason, I know you like their stuff as well. Definitely. And he is an awesome dude. Yeah, Nick's the man. Yep. And he's been on our podcast. So yes. we like him and we want you guys to support him. So make sure you check out reformedsage.com. Go there for gear. And then Reform Sage on his Facebook page as well, too, where he has great discussion questions and just brings all glory to God. Amen. Thanks, guys. Now back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Men Walking <laughs> Podcast. I just love that riff. Yeah. I know we need to make some new ones, but I we just do. can't give it up. I know. We 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 yeah. do need to work on something else, but uh we'll get something going. You know. We've got about thirty in the bank, but I just I exactly. can't come off of that one. Jason, how you doing, brother? Pretty good, man. I'm I'm a little sore. I've been uh pumping iron. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> of that or not, but uh Oh yeah. Been uh getting, in the gym doing buff. work. I mean, yeah, man. It, it, you know, you know how I wake up a little bit early. 
Yeah, four a.m. Uh, yeah, <laughs> gotta watch those markets. <laughs> gotta gotta watch those stocks and study, and then uh, you know, get in the gym and uh, get in the word and start my day the right way. Awesome. So yeah, yeah man, how, what, what have you been up to? I've been, uh, well, I just came back from a week on Lake Michigan in the camper with the kids. So, oh, yeah. you know, in real estate, you never really take any time off. You just push it farther back. Yeah. And the last uh, three days have been insane. <laughs> just playing catch up. You know how that yeah. is. Oh yeah. So, um, but go, going well. So your grass looks really good out there. You know, we got like some rain. Yeah. Cut it. Got some rain. You know, you're getting. Did you have a tornado over uh, here? We did. We had a tornado uh, and severe thunderstorms yesterday. We had 60 to 70 mile an hour winds and trees down everywhere. But thank God uh, I'm anal retentive about dead trees. Okay. And uh, I just cut them all down. I took nine trees out five years ago and we're good to go. We have two maples and they're healthy and very nice. No one wants to hear about our yard. Apple tree in the front. Even though we're now old men. Apple tree. Do. You do have an apple tree. <laughs> I do though. have an apple tree in the front. Gosh. Where I just pick up rotted apples all day long. Yeah. So that's. Do you, have you ate any of them? Oh yeah, we make apple pie and with those apple fritters. Yeah, serious. Yeah, I take them up okay. north for my deer. Sweet. We'll load them up there and bait the deer. Very nice. Uh, if any DNR officers are listening, I own that land. It's a food plot. It's not bait. <laughs> all right. So. Uh, <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> let's 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 keep moving though, because we have a very special guest on the line. Um, he is the director of relearn.org, uh, which which focuses on biblical literacy, also uh, Reformation Seminary, uh, which really focuses on producing house churches, which we're going to get into that. He's the host of Real Christianity Podcast, um, and he's I think he's the president of Stand in Victory Ministries as well, or yeah, that's yeah. been merged. He's going to talk about all that. Yeah, we, he, he, he has his hands in a lot, man. <laughs> he has we, his hands it, in everything, man. Love Dale and Partridge. It, and, and, <laughs> and it's Dale Partridge. You jumped yeah. into it. Uh, and he's also, go check out his man, Rapid episode with Doug Wilson, yeah. which was good. Dale Partridge, how are you, sir? Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Our fake audience uh, loves sa- you. <laughs> yeah, the sound, the sound effects are great. That, that makes the show. Yeah, excited to be here, guys. Only nice. the best for you, sir. That's right. We're like we're like a, a morning show slash, <laughs> We don't know, know what we are. Yeah. People um, listen. Uh, that's yeah, all we know. know. <laughs> well, you're, you're we, the, we uh, think they do. <laughs> When you say morning show, you mean the 2 a.m. show, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we're like a.m. A.m. radio. When first started out at 2 a.m., yeah. <laughs> right. We were thinking about getting our morning uh, drive to work voices on. Hey! Hey, man, we've, we've done many voiceovers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dale, uh, Dale is uh, has his hands in everything. Yeah. We just absolutely love everything you do, Dale. We're so happy to have you on the show. We're going to get into... Uh, a little bit of running a church as a business. Is it biblical? Is it is it good? Is that what we should be doing? We want to talk about his biblical literacy a little bit, and then we want to jump into what he's been doing with home and house churches, how that differs from a home group. You hear house church, and you think, oh, that just means uh, a home group. I do that. So we're going to get into all that. But first, we're going to do a little newsy news, uh, three news segments or three news topics from this week. And Dale, if you want to jump in and comment on it, feel free to. Jason, you ready for a little news? Let's go. News, the news, the newsy, newsy news, the news, the news, the news, the news, the news, news. We got some news. All right. And that is a Tom Askell approved. Yes, intro. it is. All right. We were on Reformed Funny Moments with him because he loved that. <laughs> I forgot about that. So much. Yeah. <laughs> I can't Poor believe Tom. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's just hilarious. I Yeah. I'm so, ha- I'm so happy that he was uh, so gracious to come on yes. our show. Yes. <laughs> and not go. Yeah, right. <laughs> and not just hang up on us right as I was going. But, All right, give uh, us the first one, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Uh, Greg, actually, your mom put this post up on my Facebook. Mom. I thought it was hilarious. My biggest fan. So yeah, yeah. So this isn't really a news story, but uh, you know those signs where uh, you know if somebody uh, is graffitiing, you're supposed to turn them in or whatever. Well, sure. Uh, there was a post that says text. So it's, so it's an actual is, sign, like in a campground. Yeah, yeah, in like a, a campground, a yeah. bathroom, wherever this is. And uh, this is this is the regular one. This is the the one for the forty plus and over. Maybe. Okay. What does it say? Um, please don't hesitate to text us at if you see anything that needs our attention. We want to make this campground as relaxing and comfortable as possible for our guests. Thank mm. you. And it's on like one of those brown signs with the white brown font, sign, yep. very like plain, like a recreation uh-huh. municipality sign. What's so now one? here's the uh, translated for teenagers. Okay. Sup, HMU, which means hit me up, at gives the phone number. If you see anything that is sus or cringe, like IDK, which means I don't know, a toilet that got R-E-K-T, <laughs> 
or something. <laughs> TBH, we high key trying to glow up this campground. Can't stop, won't stop until this place straight up slays. Need your help, fam. TY. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's not a news story, but it's not. But man, it was just what so I like good. about I, that is there, is that your mom put that up and it was hilarious. That, that my mom is still hipping with it, yeah, right, right? But right. also, but also, I love the fact that that's like uh, in. Yeah. But in about two years, all that language will probably be obsolete because <laughs> exactly. the, the culture with the young kids nowadays uh, changes so quickly. I have tried the uh, the word "sus" on my nieces, and, and they just like, they just like no, both of them just laugh it. at me whenever no, I, I say "sus." They're like, "What do you?" Why are you saying? Why are you saying that? Yeah, I, but, still, uh, I have yet to. <laughs> I have yet to have kids that are old enough to like create or even <laughs> hear or be a part of this part of the culture yet. My yeah. kid, my oldest is seven. Okay, um, but I dread the day that I have to <laughs> correct my child's English exactly uh, yeah, right. as they adopt these ridiculous. <laughs> we're just getting dumber as a culture, and actually, I should say more dumb, right? So, yeah, 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 um, exactly. <laughs> It's bad. That's so great. Um, uh, so, okay, the, the second news story here we got um, was on August 11th, 2021, of okay. course. Uh, black parent outraged after learning Atlanta Elementary School segregated classes by race. Mm. Uh, black mother Keela Posey was outraged after learning that her child's Atlanta public elementary school was segregating classrooms based on race, according to a report from WSB-TV Atlanta. Posey uncovered that the school's principal was segregating classes based on race when she insisted that this her horrible child, white person yeah her oh, child be Keep moved reading. to a different classroom okay the principal Sharon Briscoe told Posey that her child would be isolated in the desired classroom because it wasn't a black class yeah so the, I mean I could go on with the so, story but so here's what here's the kicker of the story yeah so the principal and the teachers are black. Wow. And they're separating the and black and white kids. The black mother comes in and goes, why are you separating them? That's racist. And they go, oh, no, this is the new woke uh, country wild. that we live in to where we need an all black, uh, you know, all black uh, classroom and an all yeah. white classroom. So the so all the black kids can learn about how they're oppressed and all the white kids can learn about how they're privileged. And that's what's so amazing about this story is now we've gone full circle. Yeah. There was a video that came out a few years ago and it's and it's and it has two guys and one guy has a t-shirt that says woke and the other one says racist and they agree on everything. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing that you've ever seen because he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, this guy wants to separate, you know, this yeah. guy wants uh, you know, races to stick together." And it's like Gosh. Th they've gone so far extreme that they're the same now. Yeah. And now we're seeing it in real life. Dale, what's going on here, man? Like, are, are we just nuts? Have we lost our mind? Or are we just all depraved? I mean, the reality is that we've had an opportunity over the past year and a half to introduce sin that we wouldn't have entertained as a culture or a society, um, you know, years before that we had made so much progress. Um, and I, I think the stats are coming out that showing that relationships between races are actually worse than ever right now. Um, you know, th at the core of the gospel, this is just an issue of partiality, right? This is the sin of partiality. It's, it's favoritism, looking over, you know, valuing people based off of uh, the color of their skin versus the image that they're made of, the you know, image of God that they're made in. And so, you know, there's nothing new here. Um, it's just that we've had an opportunity in society for it to run free um, and actually be, uh, not, not just be running free, but actually celebrated. And um, we're starting to see the fruit from it. And I believe, I mean, I hope, I should say, because, you know, I, I hope that, that the ridiculous insanity of it all has become so apparent that we'll quit. Um, but the world shocks me. So yeah. it's possible that we just go further and further until, you know, we just repeat history as we typically do over and over again. Mm, so true. Yeah. All right, so bring true. it home. What do we got for the last one? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Dale, this is from where you're just moving from, Oregon. Okay. Uh, Oregon governor passes law that suspends math, reading proficiency requirements for high school graduates. Um, so this was posted uh, 1051 a.m. August 11th. Um, yeah, I mean, why would now, we want to read and write? That's racist I according know. to African-American okay. studies out of Harvard. Yeah. 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 So this is, a, this is the same lady who also uh, legalized heroin and cocaine wow. and meth, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of these aren't, you know, that's why so many people are moving there. Oregon 
Uh, and by the way, you said it wrong. I know. Call you out on <laughs> I it. knew you were going <laughs> to. <laughs> it, it, it's like it's like you're like the person that goes to to Pennsylvania and says, "I'm at Lancaster," and they're like, "No, it's, it's, it's Lancaster." Um, <laughs> see, see, there's there's that so, Midwest difference. We got. No. <laughs> oh, don't yeah, you know? So, right. <laughs> yeah. So Bobby's world. There. Right, right. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, what's going on in Oregon? I, I've seen it. I've been. I lived there for seven years. I just moved there. From there a few weeks ago, um, it is absolutely falling apart. Not everywhere, but absolutely in Portland, Salem, um, it is riots on a regular basis uh, there, or at least unsettled crowds. Um, there's lots of animosity between several different groups. Um, it's a really unique place for missionary territory right now. The problem is that so many Christians have been uh, caught up in the Americanism instead of the gospel um, and the conservatism instead of the gospel and the turn the other cheek, um, you know, perspective on on our lives that, that's not being emulated. And so it's hard territory to walk in because it's incredibly offensive. It's very dangerous and hostile, um, but it's a good place for biblical men and women to go yeah. and, and serve, serve the church right now. But yeah, it is a mess there. And uh, it, it's, it's like she's absolutely intending to collapse society there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's one of the reasons why we moved. I mean, yeah. it really is a playbook. Like if you wanted to collapse a state or a county or a municipality or a nation here, do these things. Yeah. Do these things. Let's legalize every type of, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not big on the war on drugs and we can talk about that in another episode, but to legalize schedule one drugs like that, to then say reading and writing, you don't need to be tested right. for, just take it out of the curriculum. I mean, what are we doing to our younger sense. generation? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just absolutely insane to me. And, and that's exactly how you would destroy a country from within. Right. Did you yeah. have anything else there, Jay, do you want to add to that? No, no. I I mean, like, I just commend both of you guys for doing homeschooling. I mean, it's... Uh, oh, you'll be there soon You enough. know, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we have Jason's, a little different situation yeah. with uh, Aubrey, but uh, with Emsley, you know, she's 18 months, and we're hoping to have uh, the homeschooling going on once she's ready for it. Yeah, actually, that's so, where my wife is this weekend. Yeah. Where? At a homeschool conference. Nice. In Cincinnati, Ohio. And I have the kids. They're inside. She's there with a bunch of weirdos. I'm out with my friends recording a podcast. (laughs) That's what happens when you leave dad in charge. All right. We all done with Newsy News? Yeah, yep. Let's get into the meat. Dale, we are so glad to have you here. And we know you know a lot about church planning and home churches and house churches. First, at the top. Look, here's... Here's what's so popular right now is treating a church like a business. And we and I've said this, and you have too, Jason, mm-hmm. on this podcast many mm-hmm. times, even from the ta- tax-exempt status, which is insane, some of the stuff that the federal government will put on you when you take uh, tax-exempt status, which I think is wrong and the law needs to be changed, but that's what happens when you do that. Right down to the fact of, uh, you know, churches treating, or, bus- or churches treating businesses, or I'm sorry, church leaders treating businesses, excuse me, or churches like businesses. Yep. It's just, it's, it's insanity. You see some of the budgets that they do, they give back less than 5% to the community, then they're paying out their pastors and their boards and their congregants and all these things. And, you know, at some point that's going to ruin it for the rest of us too. Okay. I'll yeah. just throw out names there. You take like a Furtick who has less than 5% giving, bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars through royalties and other things, the government's going to want their taste. And at some point, he's going to ruin it for everyone else, and we're going to be intruded with uh, government tyranny, which I think we're already starting to see it. So I know my position on this. I want to hear Dale's position. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you do too, Jason. Mm -hmm. Should we be running churches like businesses, Dale? I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, so this is, uh, I don't know who said this quote, but... um, it goes something along the lines of um, when the Greeks got the gospel, they turned it into a philosophy. When the Europeans got the gospel, they, they turned it into philosophy or government. When the Americans got the gospel, they turned it into a business. Mm. Wow. And, and um, that is becoming more and more uh, prevalent today. I think we're actually at the peak of it. Um, I think it's become so, uh, everybody's so aware of it at this point because of kind of social awareness and social media exposing so much that I don't think it's going to grow much further. Um, I think that the, the institutionalized church that isn't really part of the biblical church will continue to run down that road. Um, but I, I think those who actually are born again believers, committed of the spirit, made a mistake, realized that they have 
basically adopted um, a model that's not just extra biblical, but unbiblical mm. and, and produces a result that isn't in alignment with scripture and produces a culture in the church that, that um, is antithetical to the one anothering and to the closeness and to the intimacy. One thing I often say is that um, size is the enemy of intimacy. And so we have been obsessed with size. And that's the problem is that the churches today are a hundred feet wide and one inch deep. Yeah. And almost everybody that has left a church or leaves the, left, left the church in terms of a local church and moving on to another one is because they didn't feel connected there. Um, uh, and, you know, there's this obsession with, with trying to persuade people uh, into Christianity. And I think this is from the flawed soteriological view of Arminianism that we are mm. here to convince people mm-hmm. um, of the gospel. And, you know, the kind of the Ravi Zacharias approach of, of convincing people of the kingdom of God, instead of really believing that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, that we need to preach the word of Christ, the gospel of Christ. And that is the only means by which someone will ever be saved. Amen. Whether they hear it, whether they re- read it, and when we when we get away from preaching the gospel boldly, clearly, uh, you know, uh, explaining it for sure, but boldly and clearly, and we turn to other means to win people or to win their affections in some other way, we end up creating a huge group of religious people that aren't born again. And a quote that I often say that's probably not mine, but someone else said it a long time ago is um, what you win people with is what you win people to. And the church has been winning people with, um, you know, uh, music, a rock concert, you know, the coffee shop, a a TED talk, you know, um, and whatever else. The things that the Bible would support that we're to win people to is to primarily the gospel, uh, the word of God, the Bible. um, And the last thing would really be the people of God and right. the covenant community of the church. And so uh, that is the problem that we've, I think, is slowly dying. And, and I think we're more and more people are realizing, what is the biblical church? I need to unlearn so much that I have been taught and relearn, no pun intended, um, <laughs> you know, wh- what to do as a biblical member of a church. And so that, that's our uh, ministry is looking at the Bible and going, okay, how do we create an expression of the church that reflects what we see in Scripture and Scripture alone? Yeah. Um, and that's that's basically at the, at the center of what we do. Yeah, and I would just shout out uh, relearn.org really quick, too. You guys have an article on there, and I think it's titled something like, uh, you know, if God is sovereign overall, why do we evangelize? Mm. And I read that a few days ago, and I just thought it was a great, uh, just a very entry-level, simplistic explanation, but very deep as well. You know, we've heard a James White and a R.C. Sproul and, you know, these professors of the faith talk about it, and sometimes they can get a little heady. This included all that, but your article, and I think it was written by you too as well, Dale, uh, and I'd, I'd tell our listeners, go check that out at relearn.org. Um, just very simple, why we would still evangelize, and, and I think you brought up one of those points that you just made, is, you know, it's not on us to convince someone to be saved. God is the one who draws, Right. Um, Amen. Could you imagine if you're a full-blown Arminian and you just feel like you have to convince, if I have the right music and the right thing, yeah. and, and if I can just say the right words, and if I'm really enthusiastic, I can convince them that Christ is King. And it's like, well, uh, the Lord does that. I'm right. just called to speak the truth, walk in love, and preach yeah. the gospel as and, I go into the world. And this, right. Yeah, this is the problem, is that we don't have a sound doctrine of man. We think much too highly of ourselves. And, you know, yeah. self, <laughs> self-love self is blinding, right? And, yeah. and we're blind to the reality of what the Scripture says. The reason that Calvinism or Reformed theology is so hated among many in the church today is because it is the most humbling form of theology. It destroys the pride of man. Yeah. It realizes that you cannot come to Christ on your own. And that is uh, just a, an important piece of, of information that the church has missed. And so we are. We're trying to win people with marketing and um, instead of the gospel. And it's left us with a church that, man, I, when I look at it, I just go, you know, it says there's X amount of millions of Christians. I go, we're lucky if there's even a quarter of that. Yeah. You know what really um, surprised me a, a few years ago? Um, just the fact that 
churches were sending out questionnaires <laughs> just about what would you like to have? Like almost like it was like a customer, you yeah. know, like what would what, you like to see? What would you like to see at the church? What would you know, what would make you feel better feel, you know, that Jason, whole feel thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. keep going, but yeah. I just want to interject. Most <laughs> yeah. of the time to unbelievers are sending this. Right, right. To people who right. aren't attending. Who aren't attending, yeah. The ecclesiastical gathering for believers yeah. sending to unbelievers. And what that's would you the like thing. to see in our gathering? The, the the church is for the believers, right? Yeah. And well, you this, know, yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, this is the yeah. problem, guys, is that that we have made Christians believe that church should be catered to our desires and needs. And instead of asking what God wants yeah. from the gathering of the church, according to scripture, hmm. we ask what we want. And so we know that selfism is the newest religion of America and the, the fastest growing religion of America. And, um, and it's infiltrated the church from men who haven't been trained in gospel doctrine, but are yeah. acting as shepherds leading people so astray. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, I think Paul Washer was the one who said, what's the biggest risk to the church today? And he says, pastors. Yeah. And yeah. I agree yeah. that the, there's, there's this, um, you know, there's this whole thing of, uh, against training, against formalized training because, Oh, you know, I don't want to go to seminary. I just want to go read my Bible. Right. And I go, this is, this is the mess. We, Jesus spent three years every single day training his disciples before he sent them off. Um, We need to be men and women who are out there in ministry uh, roles who understand sound, historical, evangelical, theological doctrine. Well, can't you get a uh, certificate now online if you— We just posted uh, that T-shirt, too. (laughs) just, uh, you know, over the weekend, you pay 100 bucks or or something. Yeah, ordain certificate, internet pastor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I've said many times, we need less pastors and more disciples, and I think that's why the business model doesn't work either, because we're not seeing any fruit produced from it, right? We we have all these mega churches, and church attendance is up through the roof, Dale, but we're not seeing any fruit from it. We're not seeing disciples being produced out of it. We're just seeing a swishing around of the same amount of people, kind of, maybe it goes up 5% nationally, you know, or over a decade, 10%, but nothing is changing, which is evidenced by our culture because, uh, you know, the secular culture is supposed to bow to the the culture of the gospel. And in fact, the church culture has been bowing to the secular culture. And we say that often here on the podcast, Jason, but just to play devil advocate really quick with you, Dale. So what if we have a listener right now and they go, look at, I go to a church like that. You know, the pastor's like the CEO, the elders are like the shareholders. We just take a modern uh, business approach to running an organization. What's wrong with that? Are we being unbiblical? I mean, it seems to be working for us. We got, you know, butts in the pews and the seats. Uh, what would be your response to that if they're saying it seems to be working and we recognize that there's pastors and elders, but we just put a modern twist on it with with business application? Well, and I'm going to add more to that. Let's just say that this guy says, you know, and people are coming to Christ, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and, and and you know what? You know, money is going out. Um, so one thing I'll, I would say is that good things happen inside of bad things or wrong things all the time. It doesn't make the good thing. It doesn't make the bad thing right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so good things happen inside of bad things. We know that people get saved in World War II inside of a war zone. Uh, we don't say, let's go create more war zones so we can get more people saved. Yeah. Right. right? Um, and, and so, you know, good things happen inside of wrong things. People get saved in broken homes, mm. but we don't go and create broken homes because we sure. think that more people will get saved that way. No, it's, it's that great. I'm glad that there's, that the Lord has, sovereignly working in your in your incorrect unbiblical church structure um and that's god's mercy and grace yeah the fact that he is doing so the truth is uh, god has given us specific instructions i just think about like let's look at the instructions for the ark okay right how how specific was god on those instructions pretty darn specific yeah. right very like to the type of wood and to yeah. the type of like d- distances and okay now let's just look at um uh, the descriptions and the instructions that that god gave on the tabernacle yeah okay i mean pages upon pages of how the tassels should be woven right um and then you know you go further and you just realize that god is a god of instruction and direction and he expects every single person to follow those instructions um we are uh, under the old covenant held accountable to that by that standard of law under the new covenant obviously by grace and we are to be still faithful to following those instructions. So we have now instructions for the church, how the church should gather. Uh, we have that in First Timothy chapter 3. 
We have that in uh, Titus 1. We have that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Peter 5. We have them all over, Ephesians 4. And we can put together a sound ecclesiology. And the church has, for 2,000 years, put together a sound ecclesiology. And it has been fruitful. What we are doing now is that we are adopting man's plans um, and expecting God-like results. And again, we are looking at the wrong metric for our results. We're, we're looking at numbers. We're looking at, you know, giving. We're looking, this has nothing to do with the Bible. Right. Yeah. Okay. What we're looking for is fruitful, born again believers who love one another and preach the gospel and other people come to faith as a result. We're yeah. looking for multi-generational faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like it's, and that's the thing is that that's not happening. Yeah. Is that, you know, I love it when I see grandfather and father and son passing down faith because the Lord is working that way. Um, but we're not seeing that in that general, in this generation, even though we have so much noise out there. So I think, again, we need to get back to the biblical model for the church, which begs the question, what is that? (laughs) Yeah. You just see everyone deconstructing. Right. Right. (laughs) Instead of passing down their faith. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's shift gears a little bit here, though, then, uh, Dale. Let's talk about uh, the home churches and the house churches you're doing at ReformationSeminary.com. So can you explain a little bit to our listeners what that is and what what differentiates a house church with a home group? Yeah. So what we're doing is not what you likely have in your mind as a house church. Um, House churches have a really bad brand. Um, Historically speaking, in the last hundred years or so, when people think of a house church, they think of people who are church hurt, left the left the church, started a Bible study out of frustration, and they are elitists that um, usually are legalists. That you know, I've just seen so many house churches that are heresy factories. Mm. So know that I know that in terms of most historical house churches in the last, again, 100 years or so have a bad rap. Um, you know, Francis Chan had uh, contributed and I think has gone, in my opinion, the wrong direction. Um, and he's brought at least the conversation out to more people uh, about questioning certain models of the church and looking back to scripture. But again, I don't think from my understanding and my reading of his content, he's still not doing what I'm going to tell you that that I believe is the biblical model for a house church. Uh, a couple of things I want to make clear is I don't believe that a house church is the right way or the best way or the better way. I think it's a way. Oh, and no. I think it's I think it's the most fruitful expression of church in my experience. Um, and I've been a part of the mega church. I've been a part of the small church. I've been a part of the small reformed like very fruitful traditional church, but I have not seen the fruit uh, that I have seen in the house church anywhere else. Mm. But the house church has to be done biblically. And it actually is almost 99% the same as the small biblical traditional church. It's very close. I I often tell people like, it's almost the same thing. We just do it in a different location. Uh, It's like the same ecclesiology uh, slightly different expression, slightly different location. Um, but a house produces a ambiance and opportunity and environment for intimacy that a building just can't. Sure. Um, yeah. Ask any, true, yeah. yeah, ask any person where they want to cry. And if you said, would you rather cry on the couch of someone's house or in a building in a chair? Yeah. Um, and they're going to go, oh, I'd much rather do it in someone's house. And so the house tends to create a, uh, a better environment for intimacy. Now, the intimacy that we're trying to achieve is the same intimacy that we see between the disciples of Christ. Um, this deeply uh, intimate one anothering lifestyle. And there's over a hundred one another's in the New Testament, and very few Christians have actually experienced them. Um, at least in their fullness. We're so disconnected, as I said earlier, 10 feet wide, one inch deep. Um, the church should be more like 10 feet wide and 100 feet deep. Sure. And the uh, the way that, that we have put this together, another thing I want to make clear is that we're not a Bible study. People go, oh yeah, we have house churches at our church. We have home yeah. groups. And yeah. I'm like, that's not a, that's not a house church. Uh, that's like calling swimming baptism. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, there are certain, there are certain elements uh, of a church that are vital. You know, a church would include uh, elders and deacons. The church would include uh, giving and communion. 
The church would include uh, church discipline and gender roles and regularity. It would gather on the first day of the week. Um, it would include uh, the preaching of the gospel. Um, there, there are um, a variety of these elements that, you know, you don't necessarily do. Imagine telling someone at your home group that you're exercising church discipline over a person as an elder. And you're like, wait, what? You're, yeah, you're an elder right. of our home, of our home group. Right. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Wait, you um, believe in church very, discipline? <laughs> oh, that'd be a very strange thing. I just yeah, have to interject because, to... <laughs> yeah, this is getting me excited because th- that's one of the issues I have with home groups is it's just like that Seinfeld episode where it's like, you can take a reservation, yeah, yeah. but you don't know how to fulfill. And it's like, everyone gets Oprah with giving away cars. Everyone yeah, gets right. a home group. You get a home group. You get a home. Go lead. That's Who okay. What? Two weeks in the You're faith. That's okay. Go t- get people. It's all about just getting people around and talking about Jesus. And, you know, not a, not a lot of fruit outside of Keith Green uh, came out of the uh, hippie Jesus freak movement of sitting on our couch, smoking weed and talking about Jesus. Uh, but but that's why I'm interested in what you're doing here. So so you have church structure, Dale, right? Uh, yep. You have all those things you mentioned, church discipline and, and, and elders and pastors and things like that. Are they connected? Are they autonomous? Are they connected to another church or what's, what's that like? Yeah. So this is a, that's a good question right there. Um, uh, a few things. Um, and one, I just want to make sure that I'm not, I don't like cutting out on you guys. No, we're fine. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Okay, good. Yeah. Cool. All right. Good. Um, so a couple, and, and I think what I can do is just kind of after this, give you the average house church day. So you can kind of understand what we do. Okay. Um, but yes, we are accountable. So the guys that are a part of our program, they've graduated, they've gone through a one year training program. It's an intensive program, um, going over the basics of, uh, you know, hermeneutics and exegesis and biblical theology, systematic theology and church history and pastoral development and biblical counseling, all the things that are part of that. And these men would be elders and deacons qualified um, based off of not only their information and knowledge, but their character that we've evaluated based off their ordination process. So biblically qualified. Of their yeah. graduation. Yeah. Biblically qualified men who are going to go out and plant and pastor these churches. Um, also, um, they would be a part of at least the churches that would be a part of our network um, we are in the middle of launching a network called Reformation Fellowship, and that'll be a network of house churches that you can trust that they have been, uh, they're being led by biblically qualified um, men who are held accountable to um, uh, theological, his, historical, evangelical, theological doctrines. Oh. And, um, and so, uh, and also, you know, con- constantly checking in as we're seeing the health of these churches um, uh, grow over time. Now, the way that a house church works, but let me give you just kind of a rundown of like an average Sunday morning. Okay. Yeah. So we, um, people would show up say at, at uh, 10 o'clock at, uh, at our house and we would start at 1030 and we don't have service. We have a meeting and then uh, that's just kind of a shift. And we do, and the reason it's a fellowship is because these are people we actually know and we actually are friends with. It's not a bunch of strangers. It's actually people you do life with every single week. Right. Now, there yeah. might be new people, a part of that community that had just joined or, or friends of friends or whatever that might be. The second thing is this is, this is only for believers. Um, this is not an outreach a moment. Now, if, if a non-believer knocked on my door and wanted to come in, I wouldn't say no. But the reality is, is that this isn't um, the church is a place to edify the body of Christ for the work of the ministry. It's not to do evangelism. Evangelism is an outward work of the church uh, throughout the rest of the week. And so this is the place where we get to be uh, strengthened as a body. And so um, all these believers get there. They can spend time with one another. At 1030, I would say, hey, guys, a bulletin or a, or a handout, what I call a free worship liturgy. Okay. And this free worship liturgy is actually a, uh, a step-by-step order of worship of what we're going to be doing that day. But what I do is I assign different men to different parts of the liturgy uh, that day. And so we open up, I'll say, hey, Brian, why don't you open us up in prayer? And we have everybody sitting in chairs around uh, in the living room, kids are at everybody's feet. Um, there might be, you know, our house church, I think, have about eight families and a few singles. So you're looking at like, you know, 40 people with kids. And you're sitting there and um, Brandon opens, opens us up in prayer. And then I'll, hey, hey David, why don't you uh, lead us in worship and we'll have a couple songs. And at any given point, someone might be able to say, hey, you know, can we sing Amazing Grace? We haven't sung that song in a while. So it has a little bit of flexibility. It's not just a, a monologue. It's a dialogue because it's a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are uh, appropriate places and times for gender roles and also that, you know, 
times where you're not going to be uh, talking and respecting who's teaching and not making corrections for certain things at certain times. And, and so um, there's some order there that's explained when you get to be a part of a house church and you start to understand that. And, um, uh, but then we, we do a couple songs. Then we pray. Uh, I would say, hey, uh, Chris, why don't you um, pray for the local church, the persecuted church, and um, the government leaders, and that person would pray for them. And then we'd go into a time what we call an open meeting. And this is an open meeting of, of prayer requests and praise reports. Anybody, men, women, kids, can offer a prayer request, can offer a praise report. Um, and this time could take, you know, five minutes, could take 20 minutes, it could take 45 minutes. And this is a, a moment usually that's really intimate. People are sharing uh, details. It might be that someone had a miscarriage. It might be that someone lost their job. And so this time becomes a really intimate opportunity for the church to be connected with one another and know what's actually going on in each other's lives. Um, right after that, uh, we do a Bible reading. And we just do, I assign one guy, one chapter of the Bible, and you read straight through it. And every, so you, basically, you get to go through 52 chapters a year um, of the scriptures. And it's just a wonderful thing to do. We often will have a little bit of a discussion after that. But then I would preach an expository sermon for about 30, maybe even 40 minutes after that, uh, verse by verse, going through an actual sermon that I prepared that week. And after we might have a small discussion about that, um, and uh, then we would go into communion and we do uh, a time of communion as a church uh, together. And the last thing we do is uh, announcements. And at the end of the meeting, announcements, what's going on? Are we having men's meeting this week? Are we having women's meeting this week? Um, anybody's got a birthday, those kind of things. Anybody going to not be here next week? And then we spend about two hours after that in a potluck-style fellowship with one another, enjoying each other, having intimate conversation with one another because we know of the prayer requests they asked for during church. Um, and it just becomes this wonderful place. In my opinion, it's the, it's the, it's the greatest place this side of heaven on earth. Yeah. It's yeah. where you're operating in accordance to God's word with God's people um, in tandem with God's spirit. And it's not 247 people. Yeah. And, it, and it's it, you know, everybody, what, you, you know. Yeah. And, and what I think about is, is how many times do I go to church? I slip in the back, you know, <laughs> with my wife and I and our, our daughters and uh, say hi to the guy at the door and then leave, yeah. you know, like you don't really have much fellowship. Oh, it's you too know, big, where, dude. Anything know, yeah, over they, like yeah, 50 I mean, is like, and it just feels like that's what the early church was doing as well, too. But it's not that we're trying to be, right. you know, like, it's like, just that's what out of our way to get around, you know, away from each other. But yeah, yeah. It, it just tends to happen because there's so many people and everyone's, you know. So I love the idea of this, Dale. I love the idea of the smaller groups, the meeting in the house. Like, I feel like we've lost the plot on communion. Yeah. Like, that should be a full meal with a cup of wine with, like, you know, everyone for, for two or three hours going, this is what we're celebrating. We're doing this in remembrance. Yet now it's been reduced down to a prepackaged cracker and a little juice box. So yep. I'm with you. My thought is, is like, so where's the accountability here? Because I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that this is a network, right? And, and you're kind of setting these up. Like, we don't want a bunch of little Mark Driscolls running around, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? With yeah. no accountability. <laughs> Sorry, Mark Driscoll. You were my, you were my man in 2005. <laughs> but come on, man, you got to repent. Get underneath <laughs> some accountability. So wh wh where is that? Like, what? Where? I, I started. You know, I, I joined a network. I start a house church. Where's my accountability as as either an elder or a pa well with the elder it'd be with the pastor, but with the pastor, let's say. Yeah. So at the at the beginning of any network or any association or any denomination, the beginning has the least amount of accountability because mm -hmm. there's the least amount of people in it, right? Sure. Um, the, the Acts twenty nine had the first church at some point. Yeah. Um, and and when it did, the only person that was accountable to that was the you know, whoever was at Acts 29 and the pastor of that church. But as, as it grows, it, it increases in accountability. Now, the structure that we're uh, doing is that, let's just say that um, uh, two or three churches are in a specific area. Let's just say that they're in the Phoenix area. Mm -hmm. um, they would be a part of a parish. And um, this parish would basically be that, hey, these churches are within a certain radius of each, of each other, and they're accountable to one another in terms of the elders are all part of the, every one of those churches individually is a part of the Reformation Fellowship community, but they're in a parish together as well. And we've actually toyed around with the idea of gathering, you know, for uh, seven weeks in individual house churches and then every eight weeks getting together as a parish, renting a building, renting a park, whatever it might be, and doing an 
like an outdoor or an outreach type place where you can meet as a church with all three house churches in a parish structure where you can uh, preach the gospel publicly and have an opportunity to, to have the relationship. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Be, be a part of, of one another, not just at the house church level, but at the parish level. Now that obviously is only happening every eight weeks. The real community happens at the individual church level. So the, the elders at these churches are accountable to one another in the parish, but then the parish is also accountable and the individual's elders are accountable to the network. Mm. And the network also has a board of directors of, 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 again, ordained, biblically qualified men who are checking in um, with these churches on a regular basis, not just the elders, but also the members, um, to see if they're holding true to uh, the covenant agreement of being in the Reformation Fellowship Association. And so we're we're building those things out in the beginning. But yes, early on, there's going to be little uh, accountability. But as this grows and, and more churches become a part of this group and our uh, leadership is able to grow. Um, I, I think that the accountability, our goal and our heart is to have consistent accountability. We are standing behind, um, you know, uh, the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. We're a formed Baptist. Mm. Um, but the, the, you know, we, we um, would say, do you substantially adhere to sure. the 1689, right? So it gives a little bit of flexibility in that. We have individuals that are part of our program that are Westminster um, Confession of Faith guys, right. and um, and that's fine as well. Um, I think Doug Wilson did a good job of ha- kind of having that agreement between Baptists and Presbyterians mm-hmm. at his actual local church that he has there, and so we're we're working out those details there. Um, but it's we we just want to get the expression of the church out there. We want to get more men into our program. Yeah. We have about 30, 30 men in our program now um, at Reformation Seminary, and uh, we're looking for more men to be domestic and international ministries. We have guys in Costa Rica, Denmark, um, uh, Canada, and then we have a bunch of guys all over the United States that are being trained right now, um, and we're looking for more. And so if you feel called to plant and pastor uh, a church, but a house church, uh, come and visit ReformationSeminary.com. We'd love to talk to you. That yeah. is awesome. And Jason, as we wrap right. up here, I mean, do you agree? This is kind oh, of where we're, I feel like where our country's going. This is where we're going to have to be meeting in churches anyway, it, it, or in uh, homes it, anyway. In homes, yeah, yeah. I this, mean, right? This is this is a, a an this incredible a, subject that uh, yeah, a lot of us you know haven't really touched. Really, I, I mean, I, after talking to Dale, I mean, I feel like I haven't even scratch the surface everything that we should like, be thinking about yeah, yeah. man and sorry about uh the time dale we we told you 30 to 40 minutes this has been so interesting man this is this is yeah. just awesome and i think it's for good for people listening too, yeah yeah that you know we have an idea of what church is in western christianity right and a lot of people grow up in that and we need guys like Dale, we need men of God that go, we need to get back to what biblical church is. And yeah. sometimes that looks like in a house, in a building, whatever it is. Uh, but but going to, you know, and, and we had this discussion with our guest last week, going to church saying, I'm honoring God. It's what he wants. It's not how I feel or what I want. Right. We're there to bless him. Yeah. Uh, in all that we do. So, Dale, can you give uh, once more, just run through the social media links, the websites, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere people can find you where they can reach out to you. And we'll make sure we post all this and link up to it when the episode goes live as well. But just just shout that out for everyone listening. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to, again, clarify again, for those of you that go to traditional biblical church, I'm such a fan of that. I mean, I am, um, you know, I, I I went to Western Seminary. I go to Master Seminary right now. I'm a big fan of of you know uh, John MacArthur's ministry. Uh, you know I'm I'm good friends and in support of of Stephen Lawson's ministry and and so yeah, just making sure that that's ultra clear. Um, we are trying to do uh, what these men and the great uh, preachers of today would go. Yeah, I, I like that. I, wow. I, I mean, I'm in agreement with that. Uh, we have a great video at ReformationSeminary.com talking about that. Okay, for uh, our social media stuff, you can follow me at Twitter, at Dale Partridge. You can also uh, follow me. Probably my main spot is on Instagram, uh, which also posts to our Facebook as well. But I'm posting content pretty regularly there. My podcast uh, is Real Christianity. Uh, We just passed 3 million downloads, 6,000 reviews. Um, It's been around for three years now. And 
it's probably the centerpiece of my teaching ministry. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'm a big fan of, um, of biblical literacy. Um, I'm finishing my, uh, my uh, seminary stuff with an emphasis in Greek and Hebrew. And so uh, love talking about that stuff there. So yeah, I'd love to have you on the journey if you uh, wanted to follow on social. Awesome. Awesome. Dale, thank you so yeah, much for you, taking Dale. time out. I know it was, a, like Jay said, it was a little bit of a time crunch and yeah, some different yeah. stuff going on, but we do appreciate you taking time Definitely with us. appreciate you. Talking to everyone listening. And uh, guys, thanks for listening so much. I was going to open the show with this, and then Dale just reminded me. Now, we're no... We're no Dale Partridge, but yeah. we just hit 1.1 million downloads in our first 16 months. Are you serious? We hit 1 million uh, two months ago. <laughs> Praise God. Just hit 1.1. It's because guys like Dale take Amen. time out. They bring value. They talk about the word of God. I think that's what people want to hear. One day, Dale, we'll get to that 3 million. When yeah, we do, man. we'll send you texts. We listen to your podcast. We love <laughs> yeah, what you're doing. We love what you're doing. Um, I, my, my wife and I, actually, we did the marriage program the first uh, time that you offered it three years ago. Oh, um, great guy. Yeah, Early yeah, adopter. Look yeah, at you. Yeah, man. Dale and Veronica, man, we were, uh, we were bros for a little while, you know? <laughs> right. <I> know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah. Dale, you, you guys bring so much to, uh, to the Christian community and uh, yeah, we just, we just love you guys so much and thank you. Thank yeah. you so, so much. So listeners, listen, go, go check out all the places you just said. It'll be linked up here when this episode goes live. Uh, make sure you support him. Check out his resources. Jason and I uh, absolutely love Dale. We love what he's doing, him and his wife and the ministries that he has. Guys, also thank you so much for reaching out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those places, leaving comments, subscribing, all that stuff. Tell a friend, make sure they're listening so we can keep bringing you uh, content like this with guests that we uh, th- that are speaking the word, that yeah, are living yeah. biblically, that yeah. are telling us the truth, that are cutting our flesh. That's what we want right. in 2021 and beyond. Amen. We're tired of uh, having our ears tickled. Yeah. Right? Yep. So guys, as always, thanks so much and God bless. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips, or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.